So for those who don't know, Maja Puja Day is, um, that's actually officially tomorrow. And some of you will be going to the Pacific Hermitage with Jessica's organized a, a group to go out to the Pacific Hermitage to draw close to the monastics, to offer them a meal and to hear Dhamma from the abbot out there, Arjun Sedanto. That's a very lovely thing to do. Um, that we wanted to celebrate it here as well uh, today. <clears throat> it's a commemoration of a day that happened in uh, the Buddhist lifetime where 1250, 1250 fully enlightened bhikkhus, uh, arahants, this was toward the beginning of, of uh, his ordain, ordaining uh, monastics, but uh, all of these monastics had been ordained by, personally by the Buddha. They um, spontaneously, they'd been sent out into the world to, uh, you know, offer Dhamma for those who were interested or curious uh, and wanted to, to seek the teachings. And they all spontaneously showed up one evening to pay respects and to hear Dhamma from the Buddha. And the remarkable thing is there was no internet, there were no cell phones, they were spread throughout the lands and they just all had the same, at least, I don't know if it was all of the enlightened monks at the time, but 1250 showed up on the same day. And that was the day that the Buddha then recited uh, the Padimokkha, which is the 227 rules that the monks follow. So that was established on that day. And the monks on every full moon night uh, for any monastery that I think there's six or more, it, it could be three or more, I don't, I'm not sure of the number, but they recite in Pali, all of these 227 um, rules or vows or guidelines that they follow uh, by heart. <laughs> so it's a, it's a big commitment. Um, you know, we lay people follow five. <laughs> and many of us don't have those memorized. <laughs> But the nice thing about um, a nice thing about this practice is even if you don't have the five um, committed to memory, you know it's it's about the encouragement. the 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 practice is about you know following, understanding what, being mindful of what feels good when you do it what brightens the heart lifts the heart clears the mind let's go of a need to analyze and whittle and try to justify why you might do this or that <laughs> you know you don't it, it's just it's a it's the language of the heart and as we we don't need to label which 
precept we're following at all times. That's a, that's a really good support as we're first starting or coming into contact with this practice. But as we develop, we start to pay attention less to the wording that's going on in our head and more to the response and results that's happening in the heart. Um, so I'll give a little example of how this had worked for me uh, this past week. And, and, and it's, a, it's a simple example, and I'm always encouraging us to pay attention to how the practice affects us in very simple ways. Because, every, because this is easier than taking on a big, challenging um, event or something that's really got your heart crunched. Of course, these things happen, and then we can apply. But every chance we get to apply these teachings to our everyday circumstances that aren't emotionally overwhelming, we're building the strength to be able to do this very same process when the times are hard and challenging. So um, many of you, uh, but not all, have heard me talk about my challenge, my challenging relationship with my uh, last and uh, youngest grandchild. Uh, she was born on the same day that the hospital went on lockdown. I did happen to be there and I got to hold her, uh, but I was that I was only there for about an hour and then I had to leave because they were locking down because of the pandemic. So I didn't get to hold her again until she was two years old. And I made the mistake of taking her to my house um, without her mom's and by herself, and she didn't know me very well. <laughs> but you know, I'd been seeing her on FaceTime a couple times a week, and I wasn't paying attention to the fact I know her, and I have five grandchildren. All the other four adore me. <laughs> I adore them. All right, Emerson, let's do this. Picked her up and she was, you know, I got her into the car and she was started screaming and I'm just like, it's gonna be okay, honey. It's... Well, she didn't stop screaming and crying the entire time I had her, which I was going to have her for about four or five hours. I only had her for about two. I ended up calling the parents. <laughs> like, I think, I think Emerson needs you. <laughs> um, uh, there's somebody, Jim, can you check the door that looks like there's somebody that's, oh, never mind. Um, and this has been going on since uh, constantly. So she's now just about to turn three. And um, I have been picking her up, but I decided to pick her up with, or I was encouraged by our moms to pick her up with uh, Jameson, her brother. So I'd pick Jameson up first, and then I'd go and pick her up. 
because she and Jameson are super close and super tight. Every time I walk into the room, or Jameson will run up there to, to um, greet her first. And she'll be all excited. And then I would, I would walk in and she'd go. <laughs> <laughs> and then she'd sit down in a corner and I says, come on, Jameson. I mean, come on, Emerson. Get your shoes on. Let's go. And, and she'd just sit there. And the, the people that the caretakers that would uh, of her school would get her ready and she'd finally come out, but she wouldn't hold my hand. She'd only hold Jameson's and she'd been, she and I had, she was just grumpy with me. And I just like, this was hard. <laughs> this was like, wow, I really, I really, uh, damaged our relationship was the feeling I had. And I didn't like this. I didn't, I didn't enjoy going picking her up. I, it was not fun. Um, and I felt, uh, so anyway, the last two weeks ago, we were having dinner and uh, Jameson started playing a game on Emerson. Do you love Grantan? That's Grantan over there. Do you love Grantan? I love Grantan. Emerson, do you love Mimi? Who is another grandmother? I love Mimi. And then she started naming all the people. I love mommy. I love my mom. I love Boomer, which is her dog. And she looks at me and she says, I don't love you, Nana. <laughs> and I looked at her and I leaned over the, cause she sits right across from me at the table. So she can sit between Grantan and Jameson. And I leaned over and I said, you know what, Emerson, someday you're going to love me. And she's, screamed no and then she laughs and i said it's not a game you will you will love me i love you no you don't so anyway that's our relationship <laughs> so and last week when i went to pick her up i first got jameson picked jameson up from the from his school and we got in the car and um, a couple blocks down from the school by the time we got in the car, he had already been playing for about 45 minutes outside with his friends and we get in the car and he says, Oh, Nana, I got to go to the bathroom. And I said, Okay, let's just go back to the school. And he goes, No, the school is locked. We can't get in now. Of course, the school is locked. So I said, Okay, I'll, I'm going to take you home because Alistair was home that day. So I'm, I'm going to take you home. You can hang out with uh, Grantan until and I'll just go pick up Emerson. So we did that. I get back in the car, go pick up Emerson. On the way, I'm noticing this is what's going on in my mind. Oh my gosh, Emerson is gonna have a fit because Jam Jameson's not with me. She's gonna have a fit. And, and then I noticed, you know, this tight feeling in my heart and my gut was, starting to tighten up and I was not, I was suffering. I was not enjoying this. And then I thought about these teachings about turning our mind to the wholesome. You know, do you really want to approach Emerson <laughs> from this place of, you know, angst? And I was like, no, no, this is a simple one. Just see what happens. I'm gonna drop this and we can. 
okay, relax the stomach. My, my, my gut is really tight. Just relax, relax. I love Emerson. And she is going to love me one day. And when I started to go there, think this, say this to myself, I noticed my heart opened up. I, I felt happy. What happens when we let go of the delusions and the angst, the opinions, and come back to what's really true? I love this little girl. It, we, we're in line with the Dhamma, with the truth, the reality. I, don't have to make her love me. I am convinced one day she will love me. And that felt good in my heart. Oh, this feels good. And this is how I want to approach Emerson. I want to be happy. I want her to have contact with me from a place of, I love you, as opposed to, you hate me. <laughs> so I pull up to this place and I'm making this effort and I'm staying in this really lovely place, bright mind, bright heart. <laughs> Open the door. Hey, Emerson. Nana, she comes running to me. All happy. Just, I was like, whoa. <laughs> she literally, uh, there's a door that you have to unlock. It's, a, it's like a half door, and she, you have to unlock it from the top in order to get to the side I'm at, which she never does. She literally swings it, unlocks it, swings it open, runs to her little cubby, and pulls out this picture that she had drawn. You know, look! And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Did you do this? Anyway, so it was, and then we get in the car. She's singing all the way home. It was the most, I'm going to start crying because it, it was really beautiful. It was unexpected. It was like a miracle for me because I, I thought it was going to be another five years of, you know, work <laughs> before I would get something like this. This is what the precepts are for. This is what the 227 guidelines for the um, monastics, and they still follow these, even when they have completed their work, they're fully enlightened. But what they have learned is to listen to the heart and see the effect on the, on the mind. The heart will tell us when we're connected with the Dhamma, with the truth, with reality. The brain, the mind won't tell us. It will give us a view of our hab habitual way of, you know, um, discerning. Is that right? But it involves a sense of who I am and what I want. You know, so it's a very simple practice. And we can do it in every moment that we recognize, oh, I'm I'm suffering. You know, when we bump into somebody that annoys us, we can, Emerson was very annoying. I mean, and she will be again, as all children are. <laughs> I'm moving away before she's 14. <laughs> That's my plan anyway. <laughs> but I'll still love her. <laughs> 
Anyway, when we bump into somebody that's doing something or saying something that's, you know, gives rise to irritation, get out of the head and go to the heart. Oh, this is, this is uncomfortable. This is suffering. You know, and drop it. Drop your opinions. Drop your annoyance. Just drop it and notice what happens. The, what happens to the heart, a little bit of joy will come up and it, bright, it expands our mental capacity to see alternatives of way to actions that aren't hobbled to our ill will. So I see it's a, it's a quarter after, we do have some announcements. Um, this afternoon, but I'd like to open it up first to Jessica if she'd like to share anything and and uh, open it up to the group as well, if you would like to share or ask any questions, Jessica. Turn my. <clears throat> yeah, uh, so many of the Buddhist teachings were very simple. Stop what is unskillful, start what is skillful, and purify the heart. We don't, we don't always have to dig into the details if we can keep the big picture in mind. And it's, it's difficult as lay people, I think, or for myself to keep the big picture in mind because well, last night I was, at, I was at a basketball game with a friend because her daughter was performing at halftime and, and she's just making conversation a little bit and she goes, so do you have Buddhist things to do tomorrow? And <laughs> yes, celebrating one of the high holidays. <laughs> And then I'll be heading out to the monastery to celebrate the high holidays some more. <laughs> it's, we really can go. <laughs> and as lay people from, you know, situation to situation and on the surface, they are not connected. <laughs> they don't sort of make any sense in a row. <laughs> but, you know, I think this, this idea um, this practice of you know, c committing to creating that continuity of mindfulness and goodness and picking up what is skillful, setting down what is unskillful, turning inward, purifying the heart with the precepts, within community, um, you know, it, it, it helps us move between things with ease and grace um, that I hadn't known before <laughs> practicing this in this way for decades. <laughs> uh, things felt kind of bumpy before. Over here is good, over here not so much. <laughs> And now as I, you know, my practice matures, I feel at ease 
everywhere <laughs> or that's where I'm headed, you know, just feeling at ease everywhere, internally, externally, my basketball, cheerleading friends, <laughs> and my friends in the Dhamma. It's all the same to me inside uh, because it's, it's, you know, for me, it's what I'm bringing rather than what I'm getting out of the situation or expecting from it. I thought that was just a perfectly wonderful example of that, you know? I mean, it's easy to, when kids are, you know, tough, it's easy to bring this kind of, you will love me (laughs) and also behave. Uh, but sometimes when they sense that openness and acceptance, you know, it can just soften the whole situation. And I think that's, kids are just small adults. <laughs> I think we all can do that uh, to each other and to our conditions. And so it's lovely to find those small places to, to turn it around and to bring something skillful even when nobody's expecting us to bring something skillful, we can. Mm 